Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Excuse me, Mr. Announcer, sir. Uh, I don't identify as male. Uh, Today, I identify as an elephant. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Uh, Sir, we do not identify by weight. (laughs) That is prejudicial. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 99th episode of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast, where this week, Riot is spelled with two Ts, the Hype Bros break up, and are we getting Broken Matt Hardy? Here to take on these topics, and many more, is my tag team partner, the rogue of wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman, uh, with me, the New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. Uh, it's 99 episodes, I'm going to take one down, pass it around. <laughs> tell you, thank God we're finally getting broken Matt Hardy. This is probably the most useful thing that Bray Wyatt has done in his whole career, right? <laughs> thought about it that. <laughs> is that he gave us the start of broken Matt Hardy. <laughs> and he's probably going to be his first feud, right? I, I have, I've been like, for the last couple of days, coming up with all sorts of exciting ideas for like, man, they could be either feud, and then they could be tag partners, and then they could feud again. Like, they could just constantly do weird shit with each other and then finally like bray wyatt can just go in a direction that's like all right he's just being silly he's just being weird and he has the right guy to bounce it off of <laughs> yeah because i mean think about the the stuff that we really shit on bray for like the house of horrors match was all in response to the broken matt hardy gimmick mm-hmm. and WWE trying to go in that direction and failing but now that you have the actual guy behind it all and if he does it right, which I assume he will, um, you can definitely do something with it. And I, I think it would be a good learning experience for Bray, right? I think it definitely could be. You know, it's something for, um, it, like, even though it's not the thing that we've been pitching for a while, which is that I think that um, Bray Wyatt should kind of evolve into, like, mankind as far as, mm-hmm. like, a character archetype. Like, it could be an interesting way to be like, look, your character at least with the way that it's been booked and all the sort of shit that's been going on, it's really not working. You have to evolve and change your character. And that's a really useful and a you know lesson for a performer. And obviously he knows that to some level, having been Husky Harris and then yeah. now being Bray Wyatt, very different. But even putting a different spin on it to make it a little weirder and a little sillier to maybe make it work a little more, like maybe that could be part of what helps it along. Because I'm even thinking too, because like, so say if he has a couple matches with Hardy, like, they could yeah. do stuff like that where they're feuding. They could even do something like, say, where they're tagging together. I could even say, like, what if they tag together and then Jeff comes back and then maybe he gets involved in the mix. Maybe you get, like, those three versus New Day. Like, you could do some crazy stuff. Yeah, and that's what's great about the Broken Hardy gimmick is that it's very moldable. You can mold it into whatever you want to do with it. Well, at, because... least, as, at least as long as you've got some silliness. Yeah. Because you couldn't really but have look him at going their... up against, say, like, Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns. Obviously. But look at their evolution when they were in TNA, and it was, like, how silly it was the first time we, we watched it, but then how 
like absolutely absurd it got <laughs> by the very end. Uh, and so, it, it yeah, it can be whatever you need it to be. And I think you're so right with the evolution of the character thing. And Matt's a great person to learn off of for that. Because look at him. He started out with the Hardy Boys, how they changed throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Matt on his own going from like, just trying to be Matt Hardy from the Hardy Boys to going to version the version one thing and then the broken gimmick in TNA. Like he's he's one of the guys in the business that like has changed his character very a lot of times and like kept with it. That's true. He's definitely like he's he's up there with like the guys like Cody Rhodes, guys like Jericho, Go, who yeah. have changed who've changed their character quite a lot. Yeah. Over their career. Quite a lot and also just a little bit at times. Like yeah, Which I think is what Bray needs, right? Just that little tuning. Like, he doesn't need to completely change his character. You just need to tweak certain parts. Yeah, I mean, the, this is the new approach, right? Because if, if they're not going to get behind him as, like, an actual force. Because, like, the, the, one of the biggest problems has been his absolutely horrendous booking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because he talks all this good shit with these promos. He's always, he has all these feuds with these guys, but then he just loses all the time. So it was like, you know, what what the fuck do you do? The booking, I, I'd say some of his promos have actually been his downfall. Like, when he starts getting into the, such weird and abstract shit, it's just like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Some of it, yeah. Like, I, I'm definitely not going to give it all to the creative. Like, he's definitely dropped the ball on some of the promos and stuff. But I definitely feel like the... Because, like, the the crowd is so still interested in at least participating in his entrance and still reacting to him, like, at least kind of that, like... Which it, is surprising, right? Right. So that's what I'm saying is that, like, I feel like he has to have still done something right. Like, there's something that he's doing right as a performer. That just, like, if they really worked on the script and made it work and actually committed to his character having some sort of actual payoff, then, you know, maybe they could do something with it, but... Yeah, and maybe maybe this is what they need to do. Or maybe he's just a tool in this storyline and then he's just going to go away. <laughs> Which is fine, I guess. I don't know. That's uh, It's probably know. one of the more likely scenarios, right? Yeah, at this point. Um, you know, it's about as likely as I thought with uh, you know, Elias coming out of nowhere and just taking over the Miztourage. Yeah, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> well, it's like Miz is off doing a movie, right? He's doing the Marine. Yeah. Doing doing the movie and having a baby. And so, hey, at least, all right, I'll at least give them credit that they didn't just drop the Miztourage, right? That's that's their normal MO. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we have this tag team going or whatever. One person leaves and then, oh, nope, we don't know what to do with them anymore. Right. But the god-awful uh, harmonica dubbing was just... <laughs> Wait, you tell me those guys aren't actually that good at harmonica? <laughs> what? <laughs> Joe, you're blowing my mind. Blown, blown, mind is blown. But uh, I don't know. What did, it, you, what did you think of the pairing of those guys, though? Like, because I assume they're going to be together for a couple weeks here. It actually works, right? Like weirdly, it kind of like, works. I, it's all right. But I, my question was just like, of why? Like, there was no explanation for it. Um, so that's that's where I had a problem with it. But it it works for them. So well, you, go with it. You know what? It's it. It kind of has a really weird. It it feels like three MB, doesn't it? it kind of like just thrown together, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna make this work," kind of a thing. Well, it said it's like three like 
kind of lower card bum guys. There's yeah. a little bit. Of, there's a musical part to the gimmick with Elias being the drifter who you know does the guitar. You know, and then 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 they were doing the harmonicas joining in with him. Like there's a, there's an innate silliness to it. Like you know, it's supposed to be kind of ridiculous. It kind of feels like a like if you were to blend Honky Tonk Man and Three MB into one gimmick. You now you have Elias in the Miz which if this like if he if they stay with him for long enough, they're gonna have to change the name. Like, because if he's a heel, like why the fuck would he respect the Miz name? He needs to change their name. The Elias Raj, not <laughs> or so, like something uh, like Elias and the and the somethings. Like, didn't or like some other band motif? Didn't Elias have a last name? Was it Samson? Yeah. Elias and the Samsonites? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a Jewish tribe, the Samsonites. <laughs> and they just, exactly, he's a wanderer. Oh my god, they're, oh my god, they're a tribe of wandering Jews. <laughs> Elias Samson, Curtis Axel, Curtis Axel, the most non-Jewish white-looking guy ever. <laughs> and Bo Dallas are a group of wandering Jews, the Samsonites. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Who get by by Elias just playing and uh, people tossing change into the guitar case. Yeah. But then Usually oh, but we then come he, up with... Oh, but then, like, so... <laughs> if they throw in money before he finishes the song, he grabs the money and throws it back at them. He's like, hold your change until the end of my song. <laughs> 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 and then they just get pissed and leave so they never get anything. <laughs> oh my god. Usually we come up with these crazy ideas towards the end of the podcast. I'm impressed. At... I'm starting early, right? Yeah. Well, you know, well like... they came out. They came <laughs> out early in Raw, so it it's my one sixteenth Jewishness coming out. Really? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I did the math before. It was like I'm either one eighth or one sixteenth Jewish, hmm. like Israeli. You know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah. original. The, the OG. OG. I mean, not necessarily proud of Israel, as Israel's pretty shitty, but uh, anyway, not to get political. Yeah. But yeah, the Samsonites, we figured it out, WWE. We're two steps ahead of you. Uh, yes. Yeah, so We're 40 then... steps, as long as it's not on the, sh- on the Shabbat, right? <laughs> uh, then we had bro- oh, the possible introduction of Broken Matt Hardy. After his match with Bray Wyatt. Uh, let's go to the other extremely not Jewish person, Paige. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Very white. Absolution. What the fuck was this? Well, again, I enjoyed the uh, similarities between them and the Riot Squad. The Riot Squad? Riot spelled with two T's. You didn't know that? Well, to to avoid copyright infringement. Wait, their own copyright infringement. <laughs> like, well, Riot Squad is not theirs, and they wanted to call their group the Riot Squad. Oh, true. But they wanted it to I be spelled the of... same as her name. But so then they had they made her right, isn't it? She's now Ruby Riotit. Yeah, they changed her name Riotita to fit the Riotita Squad. <laughs> it was just funny because I immediately thought of Taz, right? Like mm. ECW One Z. Gets brought into WWE, WWF at the time. They add on the other Z, but I totally understood that. Like, they mm. wanted to copyright the Taz name, 
so they had to change it. I was confused by that because she was already in the WWE system as Ruby Riot, so it's not like they had to change the name for that, but I guess the name Riot Squad, they probably can't copyright. Exactly. That's the that's the problem. But uh, I don't, what did you think between these two groups? Because we definitely had a... Because like last week, it was just the they came up and beat up some bitches. Yeah. But this week, it was a little bit more of a... Uh, a little bit more of a statement about who these groups are. So what did you think between these two, Absolution and Riot to Squad? Yes, well, so you had the similarities again of uh, the, the going into the match, right? There is, is going to be the three-on-three matches, mm-hmm. except with Absolution on Raw, you had them take out, what was it, uh, Bailey? And uh, was it Mickey James? Mickey James, yeah. So Sasha was the only yeah. one that made her entrance. Um. And then, but over on SmackDown, you had them actually have a match with the Riot Tenta squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had the heel Natalia walk out, which I enjoyed. So I definitely think the Riot Tenta squad uh, won out this week in terms of what who I was impressed by and what made more sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, you know, not only did they have a match and they won a match where they pinned the champion and then yes. injured another, they've now injured two other prominent baby faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, I feel like when they came out and stuff like that, the Riotata squad felt way more cohesive as a unit. You know, like, when they actually came out, they actually felt like they were together as a group. Like, Ruby Riot. Which kind of makes like, sense, mm-hmm. right? The, those three were in NXT together. Right. Whereas then, like, even this week when Paige and Absolution came out, it just felt like, here are three girls. Well, it felt like Paige and her lackeys. But, like, even then, like, they don't even feel like a cohesive unit. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, there doesn't feel like, like, there's no central theme to, like, who they are. There's no, like, feeling of uh, bonding that, like, these girls even know each other or that they have any sort of ability to work well together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like, like, if, okay, like, if we just put out an ad in the paper, like, say I'm Paige. Hey, I need two women who will blindly follow me up to Raw and attack bitches for me. And, yeah. you know, Sony Deville and Mandy Rose were the two who just answered the ad and they showed up on Monday. We've had no team building exercises. We like I'd even tell the other girls like who the other one that signed up for the job was. And then we just came out. Like, that's what it feels like. Whereas at least with the Ride to the Squad, it feels like they've probably hung out a couple of times. Like, they've probably talked some strategy in the locker room. At least that. Like, it feels like they have at least that level of cohesion. Yeah, which I think, again, is real life seeping into the mm-hmm. storyline now. Yeah. So it's weird because, like, the Riot to Squad is definitely, you know, in, in a lot of ways it seems like the copycat group. But I feel like they've, they're doing a little better than Absolution. Cause right? Because like... <laughs> when, when, when you compare the two, so, like, Absolution, you have Paige, you have Sonya, who's legit badass. And then Mandy Rose, who um, not I don't has the reputation yet that the other two have, um, and not saying that Sonya has as big of a reputation as Paige, but you get what I mean. Um, she was kind of like the th- third one down, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so you have that group, and I'm thinking, okay, like yeah, they're they're legit. And then you had Ruby Riot come in um, with uh, who's blanking on names again. Uh, Liv Morgan and, and yeah. Sarah Logan? So yeah, Logan and uh, Liv Morgan. 
And again, I was just like, wow, really those two? And so thinking, I'm like, they're just basically trying to take Riot as a mock page mm-hmm. and then putting these two other just random, what felt like random chicks with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this week they came out and you're totally right. The feeling was that Riot Squad, Riot Squad, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just felt like a much more, they, you could tell that they're in this together. Whereas Absolution felt like, three different people that just happen to be there right it's it's so fucking awkward too like even with the promo like Paige was pretty awkward on the fucking stick and then you know daria was or what's her name now sonia sonia deville sonia i was about to call her a fucking old name yeah um yeah sonia deville was fucking awful uh mandy rose was awful and all right so here's another fucking thing i gotta point out Paige also brought up the fact that she was like the whole anti-diva that was like her gimmick before yeah and she's fucking got Mandy Rose, who, like, more than anybody else right now in their fucking system is, like, straight up, like, she's the diva. Like, she was the old word for diva. Like, yeah. Why, like, like, she's even going against herself to just get a weird mindless crony. Like, it's, this group is so paper thin. It's it's really weird. And then on she top of that. She's literally a fitness and figure competitor. Right. <laughs> Like the exact thing that the the new divas division is the uh, the new women's division I say is not supposed to be like it's supposed to be actual wrestlers. Yeah. So that's it. Just feels so bizarre because it I don't it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Absolution I feel like makes no sense, and I feel like it's going to come crumbling down probably pretty soon. Whereas even, I feel like the booking was so weird too, because they come in and they or do they do uh, the thing with Sasha? They beat her up a little bit, and then they come out and try yeah. to do the whole thing with Oscar, and then Oscar just walks away. That was really weird. Well, Oscar scared them off. Like they didn't they didn't come near Oscar. So, but she left. But they still didn't like they didn't go after her, right? Like they came up to her. She was like, yeah, try to mess with me. They didn't do anything, so she walked away. Yeah. I, that's how I took it. I guess, yeah. Maybe maybe that's how I was supposed to take it. I don't know. It just it felt really weird. <laughs> well, right, like, they had the three-on-one advantage on her. Like, mm-hmm. if they did have their uh, confidence up, they would have just gone after her. But I think the idea was... Yeah. Oh, they didn't go after her right away, so she was able to just walk away. Alright, so then all right, so then from a booking standpoint, why in the fuck did they even do this to Absolution? So already within the first week, they already are afraid of one person. Yeah. Like they should have kept her they, they you're right. Having them go up against Asuka at all is a horrible idea. Yeah. Because you either have them beat up Asuka, which hurts her, or you have her scare them off or beat up them which also doesn't work so right and it's so weird because like they already did this with sasha before so it's like did you already need to do this again they just took out sasha bailey and mickey james mm-hmm. that that's a good night for them end it there you're leaving on a high note actually if anything if you want to do something else go take out alexa bliss yeah she's the champion like that's what you should go do which didn't they have a segment with her either this week or last week 
Um, I can't remember. I know that they at least mentioned her in the promo this week, but I can't remember if they did anything to her. Yeah. Whereas, meanwhile, on the other side, you had the perfect booking of the riot riot to the squad, right? You had them go up against a team with Charlotte, Naomi, and uh, Natalia. Mm-hmm. You had Natalia go, screw this, I'm out of here. So that way it gives the heels a three-on-two advantage, mm-hmm. which makes sense for them winning then, and you have them pin the champion. But right, it didn't so hurt it was, Charlotte because right, it they, was a so three-on... Exactly, they took a three-on-two, turned into a three-on-one, and then... Yeah, because yeah. they took out Naomi, right? Yeah, so even more. Yep. Well, because I, I would have ex- accepted a, a win... With even if Naomi was still t- like not taken out completely, right? Mm-hmm. If they just like had her laying on the apron or something like that, then mm-hmm. it's just nuts to me that the same company can like you literally have similar storylines going on in two shows and do one correctly so far and one not. We well, you know maybe maybe did they learn their lesson from Monday to Tuesday? Maybe like, maybe they're planning to it. do the same thing. And they're like, oh, shit, we can't do that again. <laughs> but again, they do the same, like, right? Like, it, it was such similar storylines again. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what to tell you, man. They they constantly, How, like, all right, Apollo Crews is still doing nothing. How did they fuck No, he's up? Re- recruiting Dana Brooke. <laughs> I, I guess apparently, right? She's, <laughs> after, I loved her getting squashed by Asuka, though. That was great. Her oh my god! Fucking thing was like, I'm gonna come right at her. She can't deal with that. Bam, it was the one best use of an insert promo ever. <laughs> I loved that, right? Because you knew what was coming when she was just like, "I know her weakness. I know this." And like, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And then you were just like, "Oh, she's gonna kick her right away and just be done." Like, <laughs> yeah. I, the only way it could have been better is if the crowd was already chanting, "Oscar's gonna kill you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was great. I love that. Yeah. That's that's uh, a proper squash match. Yeah, I will say though, I just want one thing out of the Riot to Test Squad. I want them to change Riot's music a little bit, because hmm. she still has that kind of upbeat punk music, right? Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be this heel group, so I just want just slightly turned down, maybe a little more like scary kind of. I I don't want to do the direct comparison because I've completed this, but more like Paige's music, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or do you want uh, her, like, riot, Riotata to totally change her disposition and say, like, keep the same upbeat, punky music, but then start acting more like Sami Zayn? Where oh, she's my just God. really obnoxious. She just starts coming out, and she's just, like, <laughs> you know, dancing really wildly with the music. I still remember thinking when he turned heel, I was just like, how is he going to work that with that theme song? And then when he did it the first time, I was like, holy shit, he's a genius. Like, <laughs> Dude, Sami Zayn... Is an amazing heel, and, and then I never him, thought I'd say that sentence. And paired with Owen, with Owen just doing slow walkout, and Sammy just doing the crazy dancing like around him, and be, it's they're so oh, good man. together. Well, how how good were they too? Even in the main event, like Sammy Zayn coming out too. Well, actually, I do have to criticize oh. his chair shots look like shit <laughs> that he gave to Orton. That was but bad. guess what? He wasn't at ringside, so it's okay. But I like I could almost. So there's there's a little tiny part of me that wants to try to say and justify that by being like, well, Sammy's still trying to like be a good guy even though he's a bad guy. So maybe he but didn't still... want to hit him that hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something like that. Uh, I thought you were gonna bring up that he like 
technically followed the rules still, and like a heel would have just broken him. But mm. oh yeah, because I mean it is no DQ, so yeah. And that he was not at ringside. Like, is that what you mean? Like, yeah, I thought I stage. thought you were gonna say like even though he's a heel, uh, he still followed the rules of like yeah, not not being at ringside. Because mm-hmm. did they give a stipulation on that? Like if Sammy appeared at ringside, what would happen? Or I don't think so. No, they just barred him. I think. Um. Also, love the interaction of Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Yeah. So, where do you think this is all going? Because uh, I don't know if you saw what I tweeted out earlier, but um, I th- I feel like there's a conspiracy that you know they're going to turn Daniel Bryan heel by aligning him with Zayn and Owens, and so there's a little extra wrinkle in it. I think it might be they want to turn him heel so that in case he leaves the company to go wrestle somewhere else, they're going to mm-hmm. try and suck as much of his heat out of him before he goes by making him a heel. I don't know. I think it might actually, like, maybe that's their thinking. I don't think it would work, though. I don't, I don't, I don't think it would either, but, like, that's the kind of conspiratorial thinking that, like, I can't put past them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a, a heel Daniel Bryan would be very entertaining right now. Oh, absolutely. Especially, especially if he's with Owens and Zayn. Yeah. But uh, and I think because it could shake up the uh, dynamics a little bit, right? Because we said we when they originally did the split brands, mm-hmm. we loved the fact that Daniel Bryan and Shane were faces, right? Because we're like, great. There's not that heel general manager uh, or heel, uh, sorry, commissioner with face general manager. Mm-hmm. Um. You haven't had on Brawl, though, at least up until recently, Kurt Angle's just been there, right? And Stephanie hasn't interfered. More recently, she has. So you haven't had too much of the heel and face dynamic within the manager ranks. So I think SmackDown could play around with that a little bit mm-hmm. and it'd be entertaining. And it's switched even too, right? It's the commissioners at the face and the general manager that's, that's the heel. Yeah, at least that's, I feel like that's kind of how they're teasing it at this point, right? Yeah. Especially because, like, Daniel Bryan's been changing up his look. And I feel like anytime somebody changes up their look, that means that there's a character change coming. Yeah. Cause, like, but he's also very justified in the change, too. It's like it's coming out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been building it, and they've been kind of, you know, placing little drops here and there in the story mm. along the way. Like, all all since really especially Survivor Series, but a little bit before that. What? Long-term booking? Well, who knows if that's long-term booking on purpose. That This might be yeah. a kind of an accident. I don't know. Because I, I also have to wonder, too, when they were, um, when they broke up the Hype Bros this week, do you think part of the reason that they, because uh, they were leading up to do that breakup a while ago, and then they cooled it off, and then they've redone it now. Yeah. Do you think part of it was because that they were originally going to have Zack Ryder be the guy that turned heel, and they were like, "Shit, we need to switch gears because we decided to change our mind." Totally, just turning heel. It, the, the hinting before was always Zack, right? Zack was the one <clears throat> with the disappointing looks after the match, mm-hmm. with the, and he was like looking at uh, Mojo. <laughs> yeah, he was looking at Mojo. Wow, uh, and it was with like this. Oh God, why? Like, why am I even doing this kind of look? And then all of a sudden just stopped. And then now, out of nowhere, may I add, that Mojo attacks him. Mm-hmm. 
And for like what the justification has always been on Zach's side to turn, right? I don't see a justification for Mojo. I guess the idea for at least one thing I could see Mojo playing is that by himself, like he won the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. So it's like I've had more success by myself than I've had with you. Because mm. I've never won a tag title. Because then the, that's the same thing you could say with Zack Ryder, right? Is that like he's been the U.S. champion. He's been our continental champion. He's been tag team champion. So that it's like, you know, it's like, look, I've had success before. Clearly you must be holding me back. I just think of, uh, what was that, Breaking Ground series where Mojo wasn't going anywhere. And then he does the hype bros thing with Zack. And then mm-hmm. it finally like works out. So, yeah. But you're right. Both of them kind of have the things. Uh, you could also have Mojo say, because um, it was the same year when he won the Battle Royal. Wasn't it the same year that Zach won the Intercontinental? Um, I'm try- so Mojo won this year. I think Zach won the previous last year? year. I think yeah, he won the year before that, right? So maybe he could argue like. Yeah, I won this past year, but everyone always talks about you winning the IC title the year before, or something like that. They could. They could do something like that. Um, yeah, I, don't, I guess we'll have to see whether he can uh, swim on his own, because I, I feel like he can't. I don't think that he could before, and no. keeping him in a tag team was a really smart idea. Um, so... It's, I guess it's I, sink or swim time for him, right? I, I think the more entertaining thing would have been turning Zacchio. Maybe, but it, I, I don't know. At the same time, like I, I really don't know how far you can go with Zack Ryder as a heel. Like I get yeah. that like there's the frustration storyline of him turning, but I feel like Zack Ryder has so much more potential as a character and long-term value as a babyface. Because he's, he's, he's a lovable little fucking goofball dude. I th- and I think that's why they didn't turn him, right? I think that's yeah. why they were like, oh, maybe let's just do it with Mojo. Because yeah. there's a lot less to lose with Mojo turning heel. It's like, oh, he turns heel, whatever. If Zach turns heel, it's like, Zach's still a pretty good, uh, I think, uh, like t-shirt and stuff like that seller. So, Yeah, I mean, he's, but... he's definitely done well in the past, for sure. So I, I don't know how well he does now. He probably still, he def- I'm sure he definitely does better than Mojo, for sure. Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, that that makes sense. That there's definitely more to lose. Uh, another possible loser in the future is Roman Reigns with Samoa Joe on his heels. Yeah, is this uh, mm, there's there's a big part of me that wants Samoa Joe to be the guy that takes the IC title from Reigns. Do you Partially think they do it? Um. Well, see, here's the problem. Reigns has the Intercontinental title right now. Yeah. But he's still clearly the guy that they're going to have fight Lesnar at WrestleMania, right? So he needs to drop it before then. Right. So then who does he drop it to? And I feel like Samoa Joe could be on that short list of really good options of guys to give it to. Um, I mean, I guess you could always do some sort of cockamamie shit and give it back to The Miz when he comes back from filming The Marine. You could do... I, I just really want to see Joe with it. Like after the, I'm mm-hmm. hyped about the IC title for the first time in a while because of uh, Samoa Joe. Yeah, I'd fucking love to see Samoa Joe have it. That'd be awesome. And him still do the open challenge, but it's just jobbers that he chokes out. Hmm. Or even even just fucking like 
Or I mean, just like even just lower card guys too. You're talking about too, like the yeah. Titus Worldwide. Yeah. Unfortunately, Apollo Crews. I guess yeah, that's right. He was on TV this week. He got choked out by Samojo. Oh right, because Joe faced uh, Titus, right? Yeah, he he killed yeah. Titus, and then Apollo Crews came in to save him, and then also died. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then Samojo uh, killed the other Samoan Joseph, also known yes. as Roman Reigns. <laughs> Do you think that's what they fight for? It's the IC title and who can be called Joe? <laughs> Roman Reigns just loses his real name. It's like, you're just actually Roman now. Yeah. That's your real name. You're no longer yeah. Joe Anoi. You're just Roman Reigns. You're like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking lunatic. Um, And then, yeah, my last thing from Raw is just are you as tired of this Braun Strowman and Kane thing as I am? Uh, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a couple times. I think that Kane, uh, along with a couple other diff- different dudes in this company, should have retired a little while ago. Uh, but but so, yeah. my problem isn't with him still being around. It's the fact that we've now seen this f- him and Strowman fight for like the fifth time to end Raw. Yeah, I'm I'm done with Kane being around. Okay, just let him go be a politician. <laughs> We really don't need Kane around anymore. I think his opponent in the mayoral race should argue that WWE has to give him equal TV time that Kane <laughs> is getting. Like <laughs> he can come out with Drew Gulak. Yeah. Oh my god, that needs to happen. <laughs> and they do a PowerPoint of why he would be a better mayor than Kane. Oh my god. That'd be fucking hilarious. And that is. That'd be even funnier too if, like, somehow that actually did influence the shit, and then Kane lost because of that. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> so then Kane demands from Vince, like, "All right, you have to give me a match against Gulak. I have to kill this kid. He <laughs> lost me my mayoral race." Oh my gosh! Throws him through the ring. Yeah, and then he just fucking like stiffs him the whole time. Like he he just <laughs> it just becomes a shoot, and he just old man kills him because like he's he's just a big old dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's got probably at least like 100 pounds or so on Gulak. So, yeah, he could do some serious fucking damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Kane needs to retire, though. He's done. I mean, he was he was pretty bad a couple of years ago. But at least, at least then he could still kind of do that, like uh, jump off the rope and do the clothesline move. Like, mm-hmm. that was really impressive for his size. But now, like... He's getting almost uh, great collie levels of lumbering around. <laughs> um, yeah, I just done with seeing him and Strowman. It's the same thing over and over again. There's been nothing new. Yeah, you know what? Actually, there's there's a bunch of fucking guys that need to get cleaned out of this company. Can Strowman just start uh, legend killing and retiring a couple of these guys? And then Randy Orton comes out and goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Can't make infringement." <laughs> And then Strowman just kind of stares at him and be like, bitch, I'll retire you next. And Orton's like, you know what? Yeah. Take it. I don't care. I'm yeah. the Viper now. I'm going to be home with slither. my family. <laughs> I'm going to go slither back home. Uh, oh yeah, because like he could retire Kane. He could retire Big Show. He could retire Mark Henry. You don't need any of those guys around anymore. Those I think are- Mark's officially retired. Well... Fuck that. Let Braun Strowman kill him one more time. <laughs> Let that motherfucker go out on his back. Silver back Looking gorilla. up at the lights. Exactly. What does he get a free pass for? You know what? 
that's the same sort of bullshit too of like you remember when just like all of a sudden Christian was just retired? It's like Well, that wasn't up to him. Fuckers need to go on their backs. I hate this. He no, he had the concussion problems. Like WWE wouldn't let him wrestle anymore. You could do a finger poke of death. That's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, then how about Daniel Bryan go out on his back with a finger poke of death then? He already lost on his last match, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? So, Christian probably did too. He wasn't <laughs> going over guys on his way no, out. I'm, I'm sure he probably beat Fandango or something like that in his last <laughs> match. <laughs> on Hold Superstars on, or main event. <laughs> I'm looking this up now. <laughs> we gotta find out what Christian's last match was. Shit, what the fuck was his last match? I'm trying one of the last... I think he was like involved with the Intercontinental title picture-ish. When he retired, but I can't, I can't fully remember now. Mm-hmm. I know the last like significant thing he did was the whole like one more match storyline with Randy Orton, but um, I don't know. Have you found it? His last match was on a Monday Night Raw in March of 2014, and he lost to Alberto Del Rigo, Dolph Ziggler, and Sheamus in a fatal four way. Oh, well, there you go. Right, March 23rd, yeah. Who won that? Del Rio, probably. Uh, doesn't say who won. Hmm. So significant. They did. Oh, I'm sorry, the... I'm, right, I'm reading this wrong. Actually, he won that. <laughs> oh, he won? <laughs> Damn it. All right, Christian, you need to come back. Wait, ready? This is hilarious. So before that... So... Before that, he March seventh he beat Elder Alberto Del Rio at a live show, uh-huh. and then every show after that up until his last one, he was losing to Sheamus, the Big Show, and then he won. He win, wins that Fatal Four Way. <laughs> huh. Well, all right then. Yeah, Christian, you got to come back so you can lose. Yeah, this ain't over. You gotta you gotta put over a tag team guy. Hey, his his tag team partner went out uh, winning. That's true. Edge needs to come back and lose too. Yeah, Edge and Edge and Christian need to lose, lace up their boots one more time, and lose to uh, like the New Day or something. Yeah, or the Revival in a in a ladder match. Because let's see, one Stone last Cold ladder match. Stone Cold went out on a loss. Uh, Shawn Michaels went out on a loss. One of the big retirements. Ric Flair so, went out on the loss. I mean, I guess like in the in the case of like somebody like Edge, like they definitely thought that he had a couple more years. But like guys like Kane and shit like this, it's like he's so fucking old. There is no use you have for him left. Just retire him now, so we don't have to fucking worry about like, man, did he accidentally win his last match in a fatal four way on Raw? And put over nobody. Oh, Christian was still in his prime at that point. Like, yeah, Christian in was terms a little of, past his prime. Come on, no, dude. Yeah, when he dude, retired, he was not a. He was definitely better back in his like Christian Cage days. Yeah, but he wasn't lumbering well, around. That's like his prime. I wasn't saying he was decrepit. I'm just saying yeah. he's past his prime. Okay, a little past his prime. He was right. still putting on good matches. Right. So I'm, that's what I'm saying is that for guys like Kane. Guys that need to be retired, then like yeah. just retire them. Don't like 
just hold on to them until they're dead. <laughs> like, same thing with fucking Undertaker. Because it's like, I don't know, I keep getting worried. I think they're going to bring him back. I hope not. I think they're going to drag his corpse out one more time, at least. I think they're just going to keep doing it until he does die. <laughs> Because it's gonna become a it's gonna become a weird pride thing where he's gonna be like fuck it I can do it again, like and no he'll just say that no matter what because he can't let it go. Because if he's not it's the Undertaker, like then who is he? <laughs> I don't. know. I guess he has to be somebody else because he's the Undertaker uh, three hundred sixty four days out of the year, right? He's the only <laughs> Undertaker at WrestleMania. <laughs> he's like Santa Claus. He's just <laughs> he's evil Santa Claus. <laughs> No, that's Bill Goldberg. Yeah, it's Bill Goldberg. In what was it, Santa Slay or something like that? Oh shit, I can't remember. Um, but you know what, I can remember. What? I remember that in ROH mm-hmm. there was apparently once upon a time, and Pepperidge Farm remembers too. That <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers was good. Joe, yeah. can you tell us about this time? See, it was a time when you had wrestlers that could actually talk in this group. And uh, those wrestlers were Adam Cole, uh, Mike Kanellis, and Matt Taven. And the reason it worked at the time was because you had... So Adam Cole and Kanellis, right, were the two established guys. And Taven uh, had his moments and stuff. But mainly he was learning from the two of them. But then you have Adam Cole go on and go to the WWE, and then you had uh, Canales go to the WWE as well, right? And disappear then after that. <laughs> um, and so you're left with Taven. And the smarter thing would just be, all right, let's come up with something new for Taven. But no, they just go ahead and go, he's going to build up the kingdom again. And so then you have Taven, who is not at the level of a Cole... Or Canellis. Um, oh, who also had you had Maria in there as well with Canellis. So another big help. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then you have Taven come with these two new guys, and he's just going, I'm continuing the kingdom. And it's like, cool, but you're not at their level, so we don't understand what you're doing. Yeah, no, he is nowhere near their level. Like no. Adam Cole, Maria Canellis, like, you know, pretty charismatic, both of them. Yeah. Uh, this Taven guy has like negative charisma. Yeah, negative. He's, it's bad. He's good in the ring, but on a mic, no. Jesus Christ, he is fucking horrendous. Like you know what they they honest. Here's my here's my pitch, while not knowing as much. I'm sure you've got a better idea for it. But mm. the weird uh like crazy dreadlock third guy dude in their group in the kingdom. I'm still getting used to them, so I, I think I know who you're talking about. Like, he's a little more of, like, the wild man. He wears the mask and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. doesn't talk as much, comparatively. The other two should just become more like him. They should just put on masks, stop talking, <laughs> carry around weapons and be crazy and shit. They should be the, the authors of pain without... <laughs> yeah, they should be the little tiny authors of pain who carry around weapons and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's better than Matt Taven trying to talk. Yeah. And that was the thing, right? Was like um when he was in the group with Canellis and Cole, you had the two Canellises 
and Cole, who could talk. And so when Taven had to talk, he didn't have to do much, and he was covered by them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they... and He got a little bit better throughout it, um, but not enough to carry his own team. Oh, shit. I don't, I don't know how that guy could get a whole lot worse. I mean... <laughs> Jesus, he's pretty bad. Uh, you know what? I will say this: at least he's better than Kalisto on promos. <laughs> Lucha things. He's at least the second worst promo. Oh, <laughs> actually, no. It's, to be really, really fair, uh, and this, this is this is how you know how fair it is. I'm about to criticize Mundo for a second. Say what? So a couple weeks ago, I went and uh, I watched like some of the those bound for glory things because he was in like the main event with uh Eli Drake just to kind of <laughs> check out and see cuz like you know he's I've been missing Lucha Underground so I I wanted to get a little Mundo fix you had to get your fix so, so I was like all right I, I want to see what he's doing over there and man I mean the dude is an absolute genius in the ring but like he still still can't cut a babyface promo to save his fucking life like it it's painful. It's bad. I mean, he's he's come a long way in being a lot more comfortable and being good in his heel persona, and especially a comedic heel persona. Like that is his jam, because he has really great comedic timing and stuff like that. And he is far more comfortable as a heel than as a babyface. Because woof, it, like have you seen any of that stuff from GFW? No. Ooh, it's bad. Like he, I'm just. Still surprised that you're uh, insulting Mundo. I I love him. I love him dearly. He is an amazing athlete. He is an amazing in-ring performer who just constantly comes up with crazy new shit that not only looks good, but like looks impressive within a like a fighting environment. Like like a lot of it is flashing acrobatic, but also in a way that's like, oh wow, holy shit! Like that was a you know kind of like a spontaneous, somewhat realistic fighting move. Like he you know, jump off a thing and kick them in the head. Well, yeah. getting kicked in the head would hurt. All right, that works, you know. And I fucking love him, and he's he's got a really fun look to him. I love his look, you know. Maybe even bordering on the line of attraction, but and he he's got a really fun heel persona. I think he's got such a great sort of like completely self-absorbed, completely delusional heel character that he plays so well. That's very comedic, and it's it's actually really weird because like the tag team with him and the Miz. Like, it was really great at the time, and at the same time, you can still see a lot of the seeds for what both of these guys have grown into yeah. as better performers down the road. And it's a lot Absolutely. of the stuff that was there. Yeah. And I think, actually, you could actually come back to and maybe make, like, a really amazing tag team again between these two as a Oh, my God. These two self-play. now would like if blow. Morrison, if Mundo came back with Miz, they could blow the tag team of Division away. I think they could... They would outdo New Day, right? I, dude, I would love to fucking see that at a WrestleMania. Moon, Miz and Mundo versus the New Day? Holy shit. And look, I would not want them to touch it all beforehand. I would I would just want the mic battles the whole yeah. time. And if you and have to would... have some matches, you just have Miz send his goons. Maybe yeah. Mundo, maybe if he has a goon or two that comes with him too, like if you get uh, Justin Gabriel back in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever goons they have, you can send them at the new day until you finally have the match. But yeah, just on the stick until then. You know, Miz covering most of it, and then because that's the thing is, 
like there's certain guys that they can do accent. Like they don't, they're not like the main promo carrier between the two. Miz carried the promo for the most part, and then Mundo would do like a couple of lines that were really great. Well, look at uh, my greatest example of that was Legion of Doom. Hawk did the promos, and Animal just added the spice onto it. And then even with New Day, too, like any sort of long promo, it's always Xavier Woods that's doing the long promo. Kofi and Big E are the ones, they just come in and do a couple of lines. Yeah, because that was always our biggest uh, criticism of Big E, at least. I can't remember Kofi now. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had many opportunities to cut a promo, so I really can't judge it, but like, when Big E was on his own or with Ziggler and stuff like that, his promos were always his worst part. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, he also hadn't really tapped into a lot of his persona yet. Exactly. And, and New Day's really helped him with that. But uh, yeah, like so, so with Mundo, like a lot of it was you know, like Miz would be you know talk shit, talk shit, talk shit, and then Mundo would be like say something ridiculous, and then Miz would be like what? And Mundo's like yeah, you know, defend my ridiculous statement, and be like whatever, trash talk, trash talk, trash talk. Like that was their dynamic. You know, or am I totally remember? No, you're wrong? you're totally right. on. So like it was kind of like he'd come in there with a little bit of that, cut the tension, do something a little comedic, add a little bit to like the delusional part of their heel persona, and then go back to Miz doing the trash talking. Mm-hmm. Like you know, come out and say something ridiculous, like "We'll beat you guys in five seconds, and I'll do it with only one arm behind my back because mm-hmm. I'm that good." Like, you know, some sort of shit like that. But say it in, like, the weird, delusional, cocky way that, like, only his character believes it. Because that's the thing that uniquely he does well, is that he can sell the character that actually believes the ridiculous shit that, like, if anybody else says it on the roster, you're just like, oh, well, they're just, like, they're just being silly and their character doesn't believe that. But Mundo can play the character of the guy who actually believes it. And that's what he does that nobody else can do. I, yeah, I feel like there's, every performer has something very unique about their character that they can do that nobody else can do. And I think that's Mundo. And it's a similar thing with The Miz, too, right? Yeah, it's very similar to The Miz. Although I think Miz is... Like, without, without a lot of the uh, in-ring stuff that came along with Punk being great, too, Like he has a lot of the very similar great thing... Uh, that punk can do which is that miz can say a lot of like the really biting shit that gets into the core of like insulting somebody and i think the slight difference between miz and punk is that where miz just goes for like just saying the most hurtful most vindictive things i think that's what he's really good at is just getting really into like the just that he's a really piece of shit who will just say the one fucking thing that's gonna piss you off and he'll just drive at it and drive at it whereas punk is gonna say the one thing that you never wanted anybody else to say because it's true. He will expose the truth, the hard truth. He is the guy that can get under your skin. Mm-hmm. Where, but like the difference is, I think that Punk is always focused on. He will say something that is true that's hurtful, whereas Miz will just lie. Like he will lie to hurt you, whereas Punk almost won't because it's like that's that's too easy. Like he's gonna hurt you with the truth because he knows that's worse. Yeah. I don't know. I might be extrapolating here and just going nuts, but <laughs> that's that's, that's my good. theories on these characters and what makes them unique. Oh, it's good though. Um but yeah, something I, just I oh, really want Morrison and Miz back together now. 
like I do think that would actually be an amazing comeback. Like they could make yeah. a great heel tag team again. Yeah, like bigger than the Shield reuniting. <laughs> Even bigger than the Shield. Uh, but what were you gonna say though? Uh, actually, I was gonna potentially uh, switch topic back over to um, something that I no. think is a little interesting development over on Two Hundred Five Live, because we've got the evolving title picture here now with these sets of Fatal Four Ways, and uh, yes. Rich, Rich Swan has already won one of them, and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you know Alexander's probably got to win the other one. Is that what you think they're going for? I think so, right? Because um, can set up the. the- former you know, the tag team partners against each other mm-hmm. and then you need a face <laughs> to go up against enzo so mm-hmm. i'm the other thing i'm kind of trying to sense in the waters and i don't know if you would agree on this but do you think they're trying to hint towards somebody turning heel in this and i'm thinking that maybe it would be mustafa ali oh ha- have you seen hints of that like i haven't so like just just because like he so he lost the uh, tag team match alongside Alexander on two hundred five live to the heels and then he was starting to get a little more angry and defensive and kind of like walked off like he wasn't kind of like his normal babyface self mm. and just out of this I I feel like I just I see an opportunity where like you they I think they would like all right so they want to do Swan and Alexander probably as the two guys going into this match and then you have yeah. one of those guys win and you would want to have. I assume you. I don't think they want to take the title off Enzo yet. They want to wait and put it either on like Hideo Itami or something like that. So you got to have one of these guys lose. But you also don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to do the same finish they've already been doing. So maybe they could do a way that like uh, you know somebody new turns heel to screw them over, and that could be Mustafa Ali, who's pissed and jealous that he didn't get this title match. You know, maybe he comes in and screws them over and joins the Zo train, something like that. Because, I don't know, Mustafa Ali, I feel like he's he's really not cutting it as a babyface. I don't know. So much no, of this shit feels very forced. I just, I don't want to see, like, I don't want to see the Zotrain turn into, like, the miniature NWO, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Where just everyone joins it. So maybe if he just screws them over and doesn't have to join this Zotrain. But it wouldn't so, hurt him if he did, too, so. Well, because I'm thinking, too, like, they could, they could do a... Key, continue maybe do a little restructuring because like they um they were doing the storyline where noam dar he's like you know keeps losing and then enzo was saying like hey milk man you got to get some wins otherwise you're going to be out of the zoe train mm, so, so like if, mustafa ali could be like the guy that oh he yep. earned his right and we're kicking you out exactly he could take his spot and kick noam dar out so you know noam dar could go out ali comes in you know and at some point maybe you could even have like team powerpoint just sort of break off from them because they can just kind of do their own thing. Like, they don't need to be part of the Zoe train because then it could just be like Enzo, Ari Davari, and Mustafa Ali. Like, that could be the Zoe train. Yeah. And it's like, all right, that's like, that's a manageable small amount. And then, you know, like, you, you want, you want a small group that you can see progress in, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. And then you like, you get, because like with that story, both of those guys being in the Zoe train, I think, have a little bit better story. Because, like, didn't like Denari or Davari was like the first guy to kind of join, and he's the one who had a little bit more of like the gimmick that made sense being like the money gimmick mm-hmm. to join up with him. And then Arlie was like the first dude who was really like standing up, other than Neville, obviously, like the yeah. first dude really standing up to Enzo and was like, 
you know, constantly like, you know, screwing him over like that lumberjack match. Like he was the one who cost him the match and all that cost him the title. But then he like, you know, through frustration and stuff, got seduced and joined the Zo train. So there's that longer term storyline with Ali. So that it's like, oh, okay, we've got like a little more story with both of these guys in the group. Yeah. Rather than just being like, we're the heels. So we're in your group. <laughs> and that's what, like, at least give Ali that he was the first, like, pure babyface kind of to go up against Enzo. Because mm-hmm. Neville was just recently turned, so. Yeah. Well, because there have been other, like, a minor, really not well thought out moments in this, too. Because, like, uh, a couple weeks ago, there was that moment where, um, like, all the Zotrain guys, like, helped Enzo uh, splash off the top rope onto, I think it was Kalisto. Mm-hmm. Including Drew Gulak. I was like, yeah, why who's... the fuck would Drew Gulak help somebody do a top rope move? Well, look at the guys that joined the Zotrain, and they were all the ones that, like, a month earlier attacked Enzo when he first came into the division. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, There's... literally the entire division attacked him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then joined him. Yeah, it's, there's there's been some bumpy parts in the road, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up, because I, I feel like Hideo Itami could definitely be a really great addition. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like you know Rockstar Spud is probably on the uh, on the precipice of coming in soon. Have um, you heard anything? Is it still the same with him? Or I haven't seen anything new, but I feel like the last thing I heard was that he's supposed to be pretty eminent, right? Yeah, I think uh, the best. <laughs> Did you hear about that? He got GFW to pay for his. Uh, he was having like visa problems, so as soon as they settled his visa problems, <laughs> then he requested his release to go. To- <laughs> WWE. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, GFW. Wow, GFW just or never TNA, whatever they're fucking called now. Don't know. You know what? Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should slightly addend my earlier statements bashing Bundo. Maybe it's GFW's fault. Maybe they just <laughs> gave him some horrible shit to do. Maybe Mundo can. Maybe he's evolved and he can be a little better babyface. But um, maybe. I don't know. I guess it's. I think he's just such a good heel that he's just a lot better heel. That's true. He is just a lot better heel. Um, but something else. Oh shit! I was totally gonna fucking. Oh, um, the other thing I was gonna say from two hundred five live that I think uh, could really help, since they're not doing shit with Balor anywhere else. Um, what if Balor just went over to two hundred five live? But he's doing so well on Raw right now. He got. What, a disqualification got, win this week? He got beat up by Kane after Kane beat up Jason right. Jordan and got saved by Braun Strowman. Kane, the one win, uh, well, the one loss in Balor's past couple weeks, right? I'm trying to remember. The, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just, this Kane thing is just fucking awful. Yeah. I don't know. I, You know what? Why aren't they just doing cross-brand shit more? So anyway, like, why why can't Finn Balor go for the Cruiserweight title and go for another title? Like, if, if they still want to use him as, like, because, like, I don't know. I guess clearly they don't. Because isn't that the whole thing right now is that, like, Vince is, like, he's not over enough, so we're not doing the Lesnar match? Yeah, apparently. And he keeps doing all these things online of being like, hey, look at how over I am. Uh, um, probably not helping his case. No, probably not, but... You know what, like, if you really wanted to help his case and stuff, like, how about you go help save 205 Live? Go over there and become the Cruiserweight Champion or something. I think that 
that could work, but I, I just have still have hope for um, Balor because now they're they're doing something with Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns. Because uh, mm-hmm. I I kind of count Joe as like the same level of Balor. Maybe, but at least they let him have a match with Lesnar. True, and it was like kind of competitive. <laughs> it was like kind of. <laughs> It was like, you know, it's as, it's as competitive as they let things be with Brock. Exactly. But, um, yeah, no, I don't, I mean, what's, what's the fucking, I hate that there's such a fucking stigma with these weight class shit, because, you know what I would really like them to do, and this, this, this would be, have, you'd have to do a little bit of smart booking with this, is book a stipulation or a match or something like that that shows that there is some sort of advantage and some sort of like real strength to the cruiserweight style. Like that there is something about like the cruiserweight style that even a cruiserweight can overcome a heavyweight. And that the the whole cruiserweight thing is not just a style of wrestling, it's like a weight class. And that it's just, you know, another area for guys to show off their stuff. It's not just a demotion, it's not minor leagues. Like I it's want the X them, division. <clears throat> right, like it it's so fucking hampering that they completely isolate them because they isolate them in the weirdest ways. And we've been over this a million times. We've beat this dead horse. Um, ah. Ah. But you know what? It's like, if they're just really not going to do anything else with Balor, then fucking why not? Very true. Like, I, I, I think we've seen enough times that there is a lot of truth that the guys make the titles. So if you really want this cruiserweight division, this cruiserweight title to mean something, then put a guy like Balor, who at least at times you've really given a shit about him, you know, put the cruiserweight title on him and actually like give the cruiserweight title like you know real spots on pay per views and spots on Raw. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of hit like a plateau, so to speak, with Enzo? I think it's. I think it's just hit a weird spot because Enzo is so far above everybody else in that division on the microphone. The only other person that I think is starting to, or like could maybe measure up to him one day, or maybe not even measure up, but just the best babyface option they have against him right now is Rich Swan on the microphone. Yeah. Rich Swan is, it does have a lot of charisma. I do like him. Um, but that's the, it's just everybody else has been so, um, isolated for so long that people don't know how to perceive these guys. Yeah. You know, like if, if these guys had actually been mixing it up, like in tag division in the regular like singles against other guys on raw, then you'd have more of a perception about who these guys are and whether I'm supposed to care about them. So then if these guys go for the cruiserweight title, then like, okay, cool. What's going on with that? We know who they are and we can get behind them. Instead of it already being that like WWE is such an oversaturated product between all the hours of Raw and SmackDown, that like if the cruiserweights are just like, hey, it's a completely isolated little thing, then it's like, oh great, I don't have to watch it. Like I can understand everything that's going on and not have to watch a whole nother hour. Like the, exactly. the, for, the for the more casual viewer, that's probably what their thought process is. Is that it's like it's just more and it's already too much. I like. Yeah, that's that's one of their other issues, just in general, for something with two hundred five live. Because did, did you see that, um, <clears throat> or did you hear about this uh, survey that they sent out? No, they sent out a survey to a bunch of people. Apparently, I didn't really get one 
because uh, I guess I watch 205 Live too much. Uh, but it was asking people like why they don't watch 205 Live. Hmm. And it was like all these different sorts of options of like, you know, it's like, is it too many hours of programming in the week? And just like 205 Live is like last on the list. Are you just not interested in cruiserweight performers? Like, is the announcing not good enough? It was like every single little thing there was a checkbox for. And you just check every single one that applies for you. So, I don't know. Maybe they'll get some useful data out of that. Hopefully. I mean, the WWE actually listens to their audience? What? Because, like, Enzo's really good. Problem is, he he needs some other people to go up against. And, like, people they're going to invest in. Yeah. Not just like, hey, we're going to throw Kalisto at you for a little tiny bit. Even though nobody gives a fuck about Kalisto. And they also, like, the downfall of Enzo's also in the ring, too, right? Like, he can talk all he wants on the mic, but... Well, because it's like when you're building a paper-thin feud with Kalisto, and then you can only have like a paper-thin match with Kalisto, then it's like, well, you know, how far can you go with that? Yeah. But I think if you have a fuller division where you've got a guy like Hideo Itami, you've got a guy like Finn Balor, you've got a guy like maybe Johnny Gargano gets in there eventually, and guys like Champa, like you've got some solid foundations there. So then guys like the rest of your cruiserweight division can fill in those gaps, like the guys like Kendrick. The guys like Gallagher, the guys like Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan, and then also guys like Enzo, who can then exist and do his thing, and he doesn't have to be the centerpiece the whole time. And then you know, hopefully, if Neville comes back in too, then like if you've got all those guys in the two hundred five live in the cruiserweight division, I think you could actually see some really exciting shit. Yeah, and actually, like it, it's not a whole lot, but the even this little tiny build right now that they're doing this storyline of doing the, like, two sets of four Fatal 4-Way matches. Like, it's a little tiny, like, a little, little tiny sliver of, like, the Cruiserweight Classic. It's, like, this little tiny bit of, like, a tournament format where then it feels like, hey, there's, like, some stakes. There's some things going on. Like, it, it actually leads into why, like, Mustafa Ali's getting mad because it's like, shit, like, I lost this match. And now it's, like, you know, important because it's momentum towards this match that if I don't win next week, then I'm out of the contention for the title. Whereas... You know, for weeks on end, he's just been having these matches with guys that apparently don't seem to affect his ranking towards the title at all. So why the fuck would he care about winning? Whereas at least now, all these guys that are in these matches, there's a reason that they should care about winning. Yeah, my problem with it is it just came out of nowhere. But at least we'll Mm -hmm. give it that, yeah, they actually have stakes now. It's, hey, at least because that's better. always been that's been you, my problem. Would you prefer this show, or would you prefer another uh, six man cruiserweight tag match? Oh my god, no! <laughs> it's uh, but that's just my problem with two hundred five live. It's like all it is is just matches and very little storyline. Yeah. But yeah, if they if they focused on like just actually having a lot more guys that are really going for the title all the time, then you that's that's enough of a foundation you can start building story out of it. So then guys yeah. can start getting mad because it's like, shit, I fucking lost a title or I lost the opportunity. Like, you, you can build stuff out of that. Mm. Uh, All right. Yeah, I I don't know if I have any other uh, salient points for this week. <laughs> what about you? Uh, that's it for me. Oh, no. I do have one more right. salient point that I thought was really excellent. Uh, so I, I watched just a little tiny bit of some of the New Japan Tag League that's going on, the World Tag League. Oh, yeah. And so in one of the matches, uh, Red Shoes had an excellent 
moment of refereeing that I have to give some kudos for. He always has excellent moments of refereeing. So there was this match uh, with uh, Minori, Minoru Suzuki and his tag yep. team partner, who I'm totally forgetting his name of. But this this motherfucker was like biting dudes in the ring. Yeah. He was biting. Um, it was, I'm trying to remember. It was Yoshihashi or his tag team partner? But anyway, he was biting a guy on the head, like right on the forehead for like a really long period of time past when like the referee was saying like he should fucking get off it and stuff. And so he did another move or two and then laid the guy down to pin him. And then Red Shoes refused to count. Like he was just looking at him like, no, like, and then he was making a motion, like imitating, like biting. It was like, yeah. you know, because you were biting him, like, you know, I'm not counting. And so the guy just got up so mad. And I was like, good. That's good refereeing. Be like, hey, no, you were doing some legal shit. I'm not counting. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Thank you. Man, it's sometimes it's the little things, right? And he's just like, even during a normal match without uh, something like that, uh, Red Shoes is just so entertaining. Mm-hmm. What a guy. Who'd think you could do so much with a gimmick of just being a referee? And wearing just colored shoes. <laughs> Red Shoes. It's astounding. All right, is that going to do us for this week? I think so. It, that was that was an astounding end. What a climax. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. All right, so you can check us out on social media, Super Smart Brothers on Facebook, at Smart Brothers on Twitter, and supersmartbrothers at gmail.com. And rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and our original home of Podbean. Yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, you know what? If you don't listen to the 100th episode next week, uh, me and Joe, we're going to sneak up behind you and we're going to coloss you straight to the unemployment line like I'm pretty sure Jinder just did to the Singh brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Peace.